The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our discussion of the offense against the Jaguars on Sunday Night Football and that very satisfying 23-7 win. And here to do that with me is Frazier Tafar. Frazier, how you doing? Doing good, Ken. Glad to be part back back for part two. Uh, just interesting to see how the individuals lined up this week and looking to drive straight into the offensive line and looking at left tackle first. Okay. Uh, we could do that right away. I'll talk about the offensive line at a high level was responsible for 2.5 of the three sacks as I scored it. Uh, they had another, another half sack from a free rusher where there was some phone boothing in the pocket uh, coincident to that. Uh, they had two quarterback hits they allowed. Surprisingly few pressures. Uh, there were four pressures, but obviously there were, there were a fair number of times that Lamar went to the turf in this game, which was not good. Um, and then three penalties, which is that's something that has been a problem particularly on the left side of the offensive line this year uh, with Stanley and um, uh, Simpson both having significant problems with penalties. If you didn't listen to the first episode, we talked a little bit about that that Simpson penalty, so we're probably going to go light on him in the second episode. Uh, but that was a big problem. That was an ugly, ugly penalty. Yeah, definitely didn't need to happen. Just that was a boneheaded play. Yeah. Let's jump in right on Stanley. Uh, it continues a very difficult season with with what was his worst game of the year. He sat out 22 snaps. Uh, most of those were after the concussion protocol uh, hit on the pole. So he moved over to pole. He he went home with them. And I actually surprised Aluakan, I think, who was the, who took the hit on that play, didn't go out as well 
at that point because it certainly looked like his chance for concussion was was pretty high from from where the hit was. Um, and uh, Collinsworth made the point that it might have been related to his knee that he wasn't able to quite kind of get low enough in order to hit that player. Um, at the right spot. And I know, uh, Frazier, you have uh, offensive line experience from your high school days. Does that seem, does that hold water? Yeah, I think when you don't have that kind of mobility, it makes you a little more tentative in the way you attack. So even though he was going up against a smaller player, it makes you think twice about how you go about it. All right. Uh, Two and a half pressures, one quarterback hit, Parts of two sacks, a one-third share of one, a, a one-quarter share of another, and an offensive hold. That is no way to get through a football game where you only play 47 snaps. So he missed six blocks. Now, here's a really bad number in addition. All six of those losses, all six of those, those missed blocks were losses at the line of scrimmage. It makes things not as bad when you move to level two and can't find a block, where you pull maybe and you can't and you can't find a block. Um, but in these cases, these were all losses at the line of scrimmage to the man opposite him, uh, basically having his way with him in some way that, 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 that I didn't think was very good. So one block in level two, one pancake. He made three of his four pulls, and he would have had four for four if, if, that, if he hadn't held on the, on the pull where he mm-hmm. basically wrapped his arm around the helmet of that opponent. Yep. And um, on the missed blocks or the place he got beat inside, the ones I found were on the first drive of the game. He got beat inside on the second rush of the game by, yep. what was it, 95? Allen. It was uh, 41 beat him uh, by bull rush on that on the second play of the game. That was really bad. And then um, I think it was on the same drive. Stanley went right to the second level without contesting Allen, and Allen went right to uh, went, went right to Keaton Minchin, and that forced Lamar to hold the ball on a QB read. So things like that. Yes. I I gave him a zero on that play and I don't see, I have unable to fend off 95. So he might've been down blocking on that play, which allowed, um, usually you let that end rusher in and that's who Jackson reads off of, Mm -hmm. but he had the correct read and, and obviously it made it difficult in this particular case. But that first drive was horrendous for him. And a negative two on a, on a pressure allowed to Allen, another shared pressure by Bull Rush to Allen, and then he finished it off with a, with a quarterback hit by Allen that led to an intentional grounding penalty. Yep. Yep. So uh, that was one bad drive. Yep, pretty bad. I think uh, you could say he, quote-unquote, settled in the rest of the game, but <laughs> too pretty the rest of the way. Yeah, that would that wouldn't really be true. <laughs> yeah. So uh one block in level two, one pancake. Um, and let's see, he he made three of his four pulls, but because he got a minus six on the penalty on one of those, he ends up with minus three points on four pulls, which is obviously not not what you want. One highlight, um, an F. Uh he to give you an idea of how bad an F it was, he was 0.17 short of a D minus. So you need you need a 60% score uh, in terms of points per total block. Um, to, to pass and get a D minus, he was at 43 after adjustment. And I gave him a very hefty 0.08 adjustment for, for facing Josh Allen. Uh, the maximum I ever give is 0.10. So I think that, that, you know, I'm more than fair in terms of the grading here, unfortunately. And boy, the Ravens need to get it figured out in terms of what's happening with Ronnie Stanley, whether or not he can actually play this year. Um, do, you, do you see them going to even more rotation or maybe sitting Stanley a game here? I would think sitting Stanley a game would definitely be beneficial. It's almost like 
uh, knock on wood, if we get the first round, first round by, I think we almost need to give him close to three weeks rest for that first playoff game. Because I mean, this is not something that's going to heal overnight and giving him close to a month off potentially can pay dividends in that. But like you said, moving forward, it's something we definitely need to reinvest and reevaluate going into the off season. Yep. $8 million cap savings. If they cut him before next year, it's not something I want to see. Um, you know, I want a healthy Ronnie Stanley playing like he always was it's just a really unfortunate injury history that has dogged him really ever since he signed the contract. And yep. uh, obviously all the, those kind of contracts, when you sign them, they're, they're a big investment by the franchise and, and, you know, you, you need to get a return out of that. Um, I, I don't know if I really blame the Ravens for this, but they have constantly during this period been obviously trying to hustle Ronnie back to the field when he obviously is not 100% right. And maybe the, the feeling is just he's never going to get 100% right. And they got to get whatever they can, they got to get out of him this year. Um, that wouldn't be an, a, a, um, unreasonable position to take particularly with the with the dire straits the ravens would be in if he were not available for the playoffs but uh, uh it's also one that's kind of cruel to the athlete in terms of of uh you know what he's done for the organization or whatnot particularly when, when he's playing on his on his first five years uh with the team yeah just overall a really tough situation i think uh there's going to be a lot of business decisions made coming up soon uh, let's see. I think we are done with Stanley. Then let's move on to John Simpson. Um, played well with the exception of that boneheaded penalty at the one yard line, just the worst place. Cause you have asymmetric penalties, of course, at that point. And he gets a 15 yard penalty for headbutting the uh, wingard who knew what to do right away. He went yep. down immediately. Yep. It was a flop. We'd agree, right? Yep. I mean, he baited him. I mean, it was from the beginning of when he started pushing, you can tell that was what he was waiting for. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, as we've seen Odell Beckham do it to opponents consistently this year in terms of some really dirty stuff that Beckham has done on it in terms of stepping on a defensive lineman's hand in order mm-hmm. to draw that kind of a penalty. Um, so I can't say we can complain too much about Winger doing it to the Ravens, but uh, that was that would have potentially been a great play for Jacksonville if they'd have if they'd have been able to hold the Ravens. But of course, Lamar then saved the day and, and tossed the ball to likely an unbelievable, beautiful throw on the very next play. Yep. Amazing. 1.5 pressures allowed by Simpson. And this is the, the the dichotomy of this is he actually played a pretty darn good game other than that stupid penalty. But 1.5 pressures, five missed blocks, two of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. Neither of that totals is too bad. Five missed blocks, maybe a, sl- a tad above average for a guard where maybe you'd hope for four. But two losses at the line of scrimmage is not terrible. Uh, your 1.5 pressures is right about where the acceptable level is. And, you know, it's a 69 snap game. So it's, so he has mm-hmm. more time to make up for his, his mistakes or more um, snaps for him to spread his error uh, <laughs> value out of is another way to think of it. Um, he, he went 11 of 14 on his polls in this game, which is really good, by the way, Simpson's been, that's been something he's improved on as the season's going on. But then you look at the, it's the penalty actually occurred after he pulled. So he yeah. pulls into Wingard, Wingard baits him. And then he, and then he takes a, a what is a nine point negative adjustment to his score from, from going after Wingard on the, on the personal foul. Wow. Four blocks in level two, one pancake, two highlights, a D for the game. It's his worst game actually of the year by scoring. He actually, he's been right in that, you know, moderate range, but this one was his was his worst single score of the season. 
let me let me confirm that because I almost seem feel like he had one game that was worse than that. But I'll have to look at that and just confirm that really quickly. If you take out the penalty, what would you score? No, this is third worst game. Sorry. If you take oh, that's a great question. So I take out the penalty. Let's see. He picks up nine points. He would have gotten the credit for the block there, so he'd be up to fifty eight, and it'd been fifty eight out of sixty nine. Mm-hmm. And that would have been 0.84, and then I would have given him a 0.03 adjustment, as he did get, which would have moved him to 0.87. He would have gotten a B. Wow. Yeah. So it's his third worst game of the year. He has had several in the D range this year. So uh, uh, not quite his worst, but uh, but not good either. Okay. So with that being said, what did you think of Wunderbaum? Yeah. I, I, can we stick with Simpson and that penalty for just one second? Sure. I, the, the one thing I want to say about this is um, – the PFF will probably only give Simpson a minus one on that penalty. Instead, they, they have a zero to minus two scale, sorry, a plus two to minus two scale that underlies the grades that you can see on PFF that show up as one to 100 grades or zero to 100 grades. That underlying scale, I believe they only give a minus one for a penalty. And to give you an idea, they have other offsetting blocks that he might get plus a half on, and he might accumulate six of those in a, in a, you know, a decent blocking game that would be three times as important as penalty. This is a situation that's come up often in discussions is why should one penalty drag down a score like that? And, and the answer is because of two things. One is leverage of the situation. And obviously, to, you know, a 15-yard penalty um, is, is a huge problem and, and, and in this particular situation. But that wouldn't matter. It would, it would, it had been a, if it had been a midfield and driving the right back to the 35, it would have been the same negative nine that I would have assessed him. Um, but the, the other part is that when – Several players make a block in order to make a run play work. There's a lot of credit to dole out on that on that play. So giving plus a half to two different um, offensive linemen, and then your fullback also, and then your running back gets a share, and maybe your your quarterback handed off the ball, and it was a good mesh point read and whatnot, and somebody else got got faked out that way. There's a lot of credit to be handed out when a when a a play goes well, and it might only be a six or seven yard gain on that. Um, Got to be really careful not to pyramid those gains. When you have a penalty like that, and in particular this one that's after the play, mm-hmm. um, there is nobody else responsible for that except for Simpson. Yep. It's a 15 yard change of, of field position, you know, that is 100% Simpson's responsibility. Um, if it had happened during the play, it could have negated the play itself, which would have additional option valuation. So when I get this question often, I feel like I want to answer it, but there's no way I can answer it and give it the, the, the justice it deserves on. A, a 280 character Twitter response. So I have to I have to do it on the show like this and and and, and go through it to a, in a little bit more detail. So we said we wouldn't beat, beat on Simpson, but uh, but it ended up we we couldn't avoid it because it's like the perfect example of uh, of of running a stop sign or whatnot that that becomes a a, a case in terms of what your liability is. <laughs> Very yeah. true. All right, uh, so we're ready to move on to Linderbaum, right? See, he was the best of the Ravens linemen in this game. It was one of his best games of the season. I'll just go pull up my, my score sheet here as well. Um, but uh, he had 69 plays, made 62 of those those blocks, and he missed seven, um, but didn't have any negative events. Now, that's always that's pretty much the deal for a center. If you can avoid the negative events, you can avoid pressures, you can avoid get, you know giving up any kind of usually shares of pressure events oftentimes with with a uh, with a center that's really valuable um you're much more likely to give up full 
elements of pressures when you're on mm-hmm. the outside, particularly at tackle. But on the inside, you often ha- you're often helping somebody on a block, or maybe there's there's a pressure up the middle, phone boosts the pocket, or the or the the pocket is otherwise compromised, such that you you uh, you don't get the full pressure yourself. But anyway, Lindenbaum, no negative events in this game. There's seven missed blocks. Three of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. They weren't good. Uh, he, you know, he was getting bullied a little bit on some plays there. Uh, he went to the ground a couple of times. And then there's one other that that I'm really – I've started to score this year is when a player is illegally downfield on a pass and he mm-hmm. does not get flagged for it. I still give him a zero in terms of blocking on the play. And the reason is that you create an extraordinarily costly penalty if you are caught for that. If you get flagged, it's five yards, which is something, but it's also the option for the defense to either accept the play or not. So they can accept the turnover but or, or the sack, and they can not accept it if it's a 15-yard gain. So you really cost your team a lot when you when you put them in a bad position when you give the defense a, an option on the play. So uh, in that case, he got he got a, 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 lost his block on one play because of an IDP uh, uh, foul that he was not flagged for. And that's probably one of the most my unfavorite offensive lineman penalty is the legal man downfield. I think, uh, A, it's hard to time an RPO. I think the quarterback has to be really smart in the timing. Yep. And Lamar is one of those guys that's really smart. I mean, if he doesn't see it within two seconds, he's going to tug and run because he can do that. Um, we haven't seen too many of those get called this year, maybe, what, two, three times all year, maybe. You're muted, Ken. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's uh, a three to four for the Ravens. I'd have to actually look it up. It, it's available to you on the NFL GSIS website. You can actually uh, look at that. We're going to do a series this offseason, I think, in terms of what resources are available to fans in terms of getting information that you'd want. And, and you know, young writers are often, they just are not, a, 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 they don't avail themselves of all the information out there. It's terrific information for free out there that you uh, you can go get and uh, go look for without even having to pay subscription prices for. Wow. Definitely look forward to that. Uh, let's continue with Linderbaum. Six level two blocks, six out of six on poles, three pancakes, zero highlights. That's just fantastic. Yep. Uh, you know, ton, tons of mobility. His poles all went good. He had three pancakes. He did get on the ground uh, at least once in the game. Looking back over the sheet here, no highlights, not a, not a, big problem at all he, there was no he didn't have a combination block that i thought was worthy of a highlight normally that's where centers pick them up they start by helping the guard get uh tee t- up the guard with his man yep. to leave him behind move to level two and particularly the with the ravens and the 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 quickness of linderbob climbing they've they rely on that very heavily um but he didn't have any not, not one of them was specifically a highlight but still a for the game point ninety three. Uh, score and and again having a really good season and um, uh, pass blocking improvement with him is is the big thing. By the way, if you look at the PFF score for this game from Linderbaum, they don't have a that high an overall score for him um, because he had a good pass blocking game and not that not as great a run blocking game as they saw it as they scored it, which meant that they're they're because of the eighty five fifteen weighting they do for pass and uh, sorry for sorry eighty five run and fifteen pass. They undervalue what he did as a pass blocker in this game, uh-huh. in my opinion. So it's interesting, but I, I thought he had a much better game than that overall, and that's the reason why you'd see a difference between they have him in the low seventies and I have him as an A. Yeah, I had no issue with Leonard Brown this game. I think he was solid. He's been a our best offensive lineman all year next to Zeitler, so mm-hmm. just a regular performance for him. 
You, you mentioned the IDP thing. So when you were playing in high school, did you have film that you would watch after the games and and, and coach would ever get on you for, for being IDP on a play? Well, my team ran the wing T offense. So there was no such thing as a legal man downfield. We were either running the ball down your throat or running the ball down your throat. So okay. we were gotcha. That's interesting. Okay. So a lot of a lot of old school football stories, I'm sure, involved in that that are that are kind of interesting. Yeah. I you know, the guy I want to have on the show sometime is I don't know if you've ever read a little bit about this, but the A eleven offense that some high schools in New England are running, a couple different schools. Mm-mm, never heard. Okay. So normally you are required not only to have seven guys on the line of scrimmage, but to also have five of them wear ineligible numbers. Mm-hmm. But the one type of play where you're not required to do that is a scrimmage kick formation. So when you're in punt formation, for example, you can have everybody be an eligible receiver number if you want. You have a bunch of tight ends and long snappers in the 40s and other numbers that are eligible numbers. But normally, in a normal offensive snap, you have to have five guys with numbers in the 50s, 60s, or 70s that are ineligible. And, and, uh, and they're, on the, they're on the field at that point. If you don't, it's illegal. So the A11 offense runs every offensive play from a scrimmage kick formation. <laughs> wow. And so <laughs> and so they they uh they have to do something they have to do something special to do it including having two shotgun quarterbacks at the same time. Wow. So and, and then they uh uh they do a thing but every every play is run from a from a scrimmage kick formation. I always thought that would be a great guest to have on the show to explain kind of some of the ins and outs. There is a website about it out there. And one of the things that they point out to is anybody who wants to run run this A11 offense, you you really need to have a training session for the officials to understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they, do, they do that in the NFL, by the way. They still they, they, the NFL, the officials come to each clubhouse about an hour before the game or so, and they say, "Look, you got anything special going that we need to be aware of?" Um, and you want to maybe a, a, a private letter ruling is it be from the IRS that you get in advance of this um, or tell me, is this legal? But also a, um, uh, you know, a, a let us know what's coming so we don't accidentally throw the wrong flag on the play and look stupid. And so both teams have an opportunity to do that. So I think it's a, it, you know, it's a good practice. But th- their thing was bring the officials to your to your practice. Let them watch and see how you're doing this for a couple hours, and then they'll figure it out. But uh, I can't even imagine trying to run that offense having officials who don't know at that level. Yeah, you know, trying to basically throw flags. So. I would definitely want to. I definitely look it up. A eleven. That's interesting. It kind of makes me think of uh, the 2014 New England Patriots game when they exposed the Ravens on yes. the eligible tackle downfield. Absolutely hated that. So that was a difference of opinion, and I think Harbaugh might have actually been right. But I think I believe they changed the rule mm-hmm. that the that when a player is shifting from eligible to ineligible on a by play basis, that that requires allowing the defense to substitute for that. So that was the question that came up, I believe, on that. I may be wrong about it, but but that's that's what I recall being the question. And Harbaugh eventually, you know, got so frustrated he had a um, he decided to uh, create a personal foul on himself that would force the officials to come over and talk to him. About yeah. It. yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that was very frustrating, especially because I mean those plays pretty much brought them back in the game because they were seeing yep. plays right up to there were 20 plus yard plays so they weren't easy plays to not care about so i can understand why harbaugh was frustrated that, that was definitely i mean the ravens have played the 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 new england some very tough games in the playoffs there they beat the crap out of them twice mm-hmm. in the playoffs and they and they lost two close games by three points and um both of those are among the worst 
playoff, the worst, worst defeats period um, in, in Ravens history. The Lee Evans drop and Cundiff miss, and then this this BS with the with the uh, on and off of Alamaliano, or I, I can never pronounce his name exactly correctly, but the the uh, uh, the tight end for the Patriots. Yeah, it was tough. It was fourteen was probably the one that hurt the most because it was after the Super Bowl year, obviously. And with eleven, we had the redemption the next year, so we didn't really have to labor that too much. But that fourteen game was that team was really good, so yeah. it was tough to see that they were they were right there. They were ready to compete for it. Um, so I guess we move on here to Kevin Zeitler. Uh, he's on a streak of really fine games. We've been talking about this week after week. Um, he had a one quarter share of a sack. That was his only negative event. Eight missed blocks in the game. That's kind of a lot for a guard, but again, 69 snaps. So you, you get a little more opportunity in that four losses at the line of scrimmage. Not perfect again, um, but, the, but uh, he did generally pretty well. Six out of six on polls, four blocks in level two, zero pancakes, two highlight combination blocks in his case. Uh, he gets a B for the game. Uh, I think he was 86 or 87 after adjustment. So um, right in the top middle of the of the B range for a guard. So another good game from Zeitler. He said all but one of his games since week four, and this is a 12-game period. Sorry, week four. No, it's a, yeah, it's a 12-week period, 11-game period. All but one of his games, 10 out of 11, have been an A or a B. Um, so he's having a remarkable year. I saw that uh, um, one of the radio stations locally was putting out who's the MVP for the Ravens after Lamar. And they said there's just nobody to choose from. Tyler Linderbaum, Zay Flowers, and Gus. And, and my response is, why isn't Zeitler on this list? He's He's been every bit as good a player as Linderbaum has been this year. Not better. Not worse, just every bit as good. That's what I would say. Linderbaum's been a tremendous revelation. Zeitler has been a tremendous in-season comeback story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great to see him. And, and now, you know, I think he's put himself in a position where the Ravens will have to consider re-signing him just to remain retain some level of line integrity. I don't know if they have the money to do it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be tough to get Zeitler back for another year, but he is putting on a really good season like you said, he did have some struggles in the beginning of the season, but he's came on very strong in the last half. Yeah. All right. Morgan Moses, on the other hand, not a good game. He had his worst game of the year. Um, he may be hurt. He sat for 33 snaps. I, I know he's dealing with an injury and it, uh, apparently dealing with a injury to his arm that is not letting him fully extend here that that appears to be a, a an ongoing issue. But the fact that he sat 33 snaps it may be a management load management issue, as I think you you mentioned in the first uh, half of the show, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Or it may be a, a case where um, he might he might be more hurt than they let on because he missed the end of the game. Um, now the nice thing about that is if you're gonna have to play Daniel Faalele for some period of time, get him out there when you're running the football. Exactly. He, he at least knows how to get into the body of an opposing defender and try and push him around a little bit. And frankly, the Jaguars at that point in the game were playing a lot of brother-in-law football. They did not want to get pancaked or, you know, rolled up in the game at that point. And and that was a bigger concern for them, particularly on the last drive after they failed to score with 319 to go. Mm-hmm. That last drive, they they really weren't playing very 
serious uh, defensive football at that point. So uh, it's is it's good to see Falalele get some get some time in the game. Um, so anyway, Moses allowed one full quarterback hit. He allowed two thirds of a sack that he shared with Stanley. Stanley allowed the the phone booth to be the sorry the pocket to be phone booth on the play by one mm-hmm. of his kind of standard mirrorings. But Moses actually lost control of his guy, so he he got two thirds of that sack. So uh, um, you know, otherwise I thought he had another play where Jackson over retreated in the pocket with McCarry and I believe Moses on the now it might have been fought lately on the field where I didn't charge either of them uh, for a pressure because Jackson retreated some absurd amount of yardage from the line of scrimmage, like a 15 yards from the line of scrimmage before any pressure had occurred. So you're not even giving a chance for a pocket to occur and your tackle can't continue to block somebody like that without having a good sense of where the quarterback is and how, how he has to set out, how he has to set up. And so you allow that, that defender to move laterally off you right at Jackson. And um, uh, it, neither, neither player got charged in, in that particular instance. And that might go back to the point where um, Lamar, uh, maybe not trusting the offensive line enough. <laughs> Daniel Falele in there, he has to kind of get a little jumpy and the way he, Maneuvers in the pocket. Yeah, Falele has had a a tough start to his career in terms of the percentage of sacks, uh, sacks, sorry, plays. How about pass blocking uh, snaps per sack allowed? It's been very high. So uh, um, I'll uh, uh, I'll have to have that number ready the, the, the next time we have the show or not. But it's 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 quite bad. Um, so Moses allowed uh, in addition to the one of quarterback hitting the sack uh, was a false start he had. So he's the third guy to have a penalty in this game along with Simpson and Stanley uh, four missed blocks. Three of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. So definitely not his best game, particularly since he only played 36 snaps uh, Four level, two blocks, one pancake, two out of two points on poles. And he had one highlight. Um, it was a uh, D minus for the game. In this case, a 0.60 was his score after adjustment. So he and Stanley really had tough games and they did not um, uh, get it done in this one. Yeah, and like we kind of notion in the show, the previous show, it's going to be, it might be a scheme thing that we have to figure out and setting up our tackles for success, especially if we're going to potentially move with Falele moving forward. I think um, we can't run the ball every down, so mm-hmm. we got to figure out how to help them in pass, bro. Yeah, they they did a lot of YY sets with the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, where and and what I mean, why why that could actually mean that 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 a, that a, a tight end was was detached from the line of scrimmage. But in these case, they were in line tight ends on both sides, um, who were who were outside the tackles. So they did some of that, um, and and I, I you know they did a, a good amount with Hill. It wasn't like they didn't try, and you know we saw that we we talked about the um, .70 set and chip blockers per pass play, mm-hmm. um, but they they. Um, the options eventually run out on that at some point, yeah, you know, your tough. tackle has to be able to block on an island and not, not give up, you know, not get bowled right into the pocket play after play. And we've came in that issue during the matchup show, trying to figure out the keys to the game. Cause it seems to be the same key over and over again. Can the tackles hold up against pass rush? And until we figure out that story, that is probably the biggest weakness of this team right now. Yeah. Easily do it. You yeah. see. Yeah. No doubt about it. No, absolutely. No doubt about it. No. Um, and they've gotten by with so many other weaknesses. I mean, think of where, where this team was at the start of the year. It looked like yep. we had two healthy tackles because we didn't know yet. 
yeah. about, about Stanley and, and and about Stanley in particular. Moses had a good year, mm-hmm. but 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 if in the uh, in the case of uh, Stanley, we didn't know. But where we were really concerned was cornerback. Oh boy, how are we going to get through this? I know. And now cornerbacks, this deep position that you know they barely had an injury the whole year at corner. Yeah. Um, our Darius was lost, so I don't want to minimize that is because it was significant. But they they've um, you know they they dealt without having Pepe. Yeah. Brock is in, has not even got on the field very much, but when he has played, he's played pretty well. Yep. Darby's played fantastic, and there's no room in the end for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Humphrey has has uh, improved his play since he came back. I thought, and of course, Stevens turning into a number one cornerback. Who would have ever thought? So no one, no one would ever thought that. I think his development has been the key to our season at this point. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Daniel Falele. And he allowed another sack in this game. So he's he's got quite a track record of giving up sacks, but he did play 33 snaps, and that sack was the only negative play he had. Incredibly, Daniel Falele scored a C in this game. Well, that is his first ever non-F <laughs> in scoring that I've ever had. And I, I wanted to like bring back all the times, because I've been that, that many times which he's had the minimum number of 20 snaps necessary to get a grade. But this year he's done it uh, twice. And the first game was an F. He had a, he had a .33 base score and adjustment of .06, so .39. That's not going to get it done. This time it was .70 with .04 adjustments, so that's a, that's a C. And mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up the 22 totals for that because he, he was just awful um, in the 22 season for for uh, uh, the games he played. And let's get down to it. So he played 50 snaps against New England in Week 3 to a .51. He played against Buffalo in week four. He almost did it, but he got .57, so he's just three points shy of uh, and still an F. And then against Denver in week 13, played 32 snaps, .03 points <laughs> per play with an adjustment of .04. So uh, that was a what I call a fall-off-the-table F. Uh, it's not quite the worst scored game ever by all time. There's, there, there have been a couple of games that have been negative um, in terms of, uh, of points per play. But anyway, follow Lily. Tough career and actually ought to be celebrating after a game like this, even though he gave up a sack. This is the best he's ever played in a game. And I think, like you mentioned earlier, the run game definitely let him get to the point where he has his advantage at play, being able to lean on people who use that size that we covered so much, but he can't translate it to pass pro. So I think if he can continue to build on this performance, and like I've said in previous shows, he needs to go into every single game like he's going to start. He needs to prepare vigorously every single game. I mean, I'm not saying he's not uh, fit or not conditioned, but it doesn't hurt to continue to make sure that you're able to be agile and available for the team because I don't want to see uh, Ben Cleveland at right tackle. Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, I'm not as opposed to seeing Ben Cleveland at right tackle. I'm okay. really not. Um, I, I'll, uh, I, for one thing, how about we find out who Ben Cleveland is? I mean, Daniel Falele, I think we can all agree he needs live fire um, uh, snaps, but he needs more than that. He needs coaching to figure out if the, mm. if he can get his technique in place. I mean, the big problem with Falele to me is he doesn't use his hands at all. He should be a violent, physical, George Foreman-esque puncher yep. um, out there, and he's not. He's, he's this you know timid kind of patty cake um, lineman who seems to have an aversion to hurting the man opposite him. Um, and, and I just, I, I, 
I have a problem with that in offensive linemen. I think he's going to have to go to school and and learn to do that. Or um, I, I think that would be the place for him to go to an offensive line school during the offseason. Because um, you want to go someplace where where they have players actually opposite you. And it's not just footwork training. And it's not just hand placement and whatnot. It's got to really be about how do you punch? Where do you go? Where do you strike? Where is the other player vulnerable? How can I best you know throw off his his pass rush plan by striking first. Cause I mean, you know, one thing that there's nothing better for, for ruining the pass rush plan than to basically get that guy off balance. That will, that will detract from his Euro step or spin move that he had planned. Yep. And I think uh, the one thing that kind of deters me from having Cleveland on the outside as a tackle is um, he has guard tendency in the sense of letting the rusher get inside of him and mm-hmm. Uh, and early in his career, he was using his head to control the bull rush, which was really bad. Then that was the reason he had concussions most of the time in the beginning of his career. I'm curious to see if he has that coached out and he's able to sustainably block people and not have to use means that are illegal to block people. I think um, if putting him out on the tackle and him having to be a Stanley catch an anchor kind of guy. I don't think that 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 bodes well for him. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There's a, is a pretty decent chance it wouldn't work, but I, I, put on your general manager hat for a second. You've got a guy in year three who you used a third round draft pick to draft originally. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that matters, by the way, anymore. It's a, it is a sunk cost. But you also have a guy in your three who you have for a year still signed. Maybe look at it that way. Your offensive line, if you're talking about who's going to be here next year, you might be down to Linderbaum and Moses of the current five guys. It could be Linderbaum, Moses, and Simpson, and and several of the guard guys could still be around competing. Yeah, Mustafa could be around. And and other guys could be around competing for that guard spot. But how about you find out what you have with Cleveland? Whether you Mm -hmm. stick him in at guard in Week 18 or whether you stick him in at tackle in Week 18 for what will hopefully be a meaningless game. Yeah, I would would love to see him at left guard. I would just mm -hmm. love to see that action, just to see how he does. Because I think John Simpson is serviceable. He can get the job done. But we want to see someone take the edge off that position and i think naturally ben cleveland is a right tack i mean right guard so i think maybe the transition going to left is kind of harder for him but he's had about two and a half years to sit down and learn it so i think uh now is the time for him to maybe implicate that that skill it's, it's interesting um 
quandary that the Ravens have because they have Sala, Falele, and Cleveland are all really still developmental players in some sense. Because Cleveland, I mean, it's it's a matter, honestly, of trust, I think, with him and Harbaugh and whatnot. And the fact that they list him at 370 pounds now uh, mm-hmm. tells me they're being punitive about about how they want to report weight on the player. I think he did weigh 370 at one point. I think he probably doesn't weigh 370 now, and they're still leaving him there because they're pissed off at him for showing up so fat after he got married. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's it's the kind of thing that obviously he's lost the trust of Harbaugh. We, we, it has been notoriously difficult to gain back once lost. With with a with a lot of different players, I think around the league and and I, I, I around the team rather, um, and then if you make him a developmental player, one of the things the Ravens are going to want to do is is to find a developmental left tackle in this next draft if they if they don't actually find a you know plug and play first year left tackle. Yeah, but but it could be a two even if it's a two year player, it just it, it it adds another developmental player to your roster, and you, you can only carry nine guys realistically among offensive linemen on your roster you really can't carry 10 so if you do that then and you, you don't have room you have room for two guys who aren't going to be active on game day or yeah i guess they are carrying 10 right now aren't they because they've got mustafa and sala right yeah so so i guess you can carry 10 but if you, you, you the point is you only have two guys you can sit every week on the um on the inactive list and that's still a heavy usage of your inactive group um to, to have you know these these developmental tackles so anyway t- it's tough this is going to be a really tough season for some uh younger offensive linemen who haven't yet panned out for the Ravens. yeah all right i did want to give you gr- grady on mccary um I, I actually graded him pretty well and pff didn't so i have a request in to find out what did they really not like about the game. And he only had 22 snaps. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, a, a pass blocking snap where they saw something they really didn't like. And I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. Um, but I, 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 before I, I report grading on that, I wanted to make sure I had closed the loop on this um, and gone back and looked at any a 22. They point me in the direction of But this. One thing I like to do is, is when there's a huge difference between the two of us, and there have been some big ones recently. I had Stanley for four pressures last week. They had him only for one initially. They've changed one since. Um, but I like to like to communicate directly and see if there's there's a reason why we have this. And oftentimes it's just definitional, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And when it's not definitional, I want to understand it. You know what what did they really think was so bad about that play? Yeah, and I think McCarry had a overall like you said a good game. I know one play comes into. In the mind when he had a highlight block on a pull, uh, I think I think he spring Justice Hill open in the third quarter. I forgot what play, what drive, but yeah, he pull in the in the uh, the third drive of the game on the second play, which was a six yard gain. Hill, Let me see, uh, I I can't tell you that because I don't have the running back noted, okay. and the only other pull he had was a miss, so I think it was probably that play. So third play, second. The third drive, second play is what I guess it is. It's a six-yard gain. I couldn't tell you who's in. Okay. Yeah, it was just a good pull, good impact block. I think um, continuing to see him, that he we know that he's serviceable. We know that he can do his job. It's just against the all-pro rushers that we're scared mm-hmm. that he can hold up. All right, let's move on and talk about some individual skill position players here and you know the drill uh, by this point, Frazier. So go ahead and and uh, who do you want to talk about first? 
Uh, I want to talk about Bateman. I think, like you mentioned in the previous podcast, he came out firing uh, on all cylinders in the beginning. Three out of three catches, uh, being a really good security blanket for Lamar on the run. Um, he kind of did fade off in the last half. Uh, some of it, not the best throws by Lamar. One of them was a safe throw by Lamar, but it was incomplete. Um I think we had the game in hand to the point where we didn't need to force feed receivers. So it kind of played away from getting Bateman more involved, but he produced well this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought that the, the you know, there were some safe throws made. Bateman in the corner of the end zone towards the left pylon due mm-hmm. for a ball that was Lamar was being safe with the football and it, it, it came up a little short. Probably Bateman had a little space that he could have, could have caught the ball if it was a little higher, but I understand the need to be safe in that situation. You have the game well in hand, um, and you want to um, you want to leave the ball out there. Uh, but anyway, he, I, I, he did the same thing to Beckham on one throw, where Beckham almost had it in terms of scooping that ball off the the, the turf, and then the replay angle clearly showed he didn't. But uh, I thought that there there was some. Um, probably some yards left on the field to Bateman. Mm -hmm. Uh, He hasn't, he hasn't done really well in these three weeks since Andrew's been out, which is unfortunate. Uh, The circumstances for the passing game were absolutely gorgeous in the game against um, the Rams in particular with the wet field, lousy lousy pass rush conditions, great top of the route conditions. And Beckham, I'm sorry, Bateman didn't really get a big piece of that. So it would have been nice if, uh, if he'd have made a couple plays in that game, had the ball thrown to him a couple times on, on some, um, deeper options where where um, uh, he had a chance to get behind the defense, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen there. And it was um, it seemed like Lamar did try and force it to him, especially after he got the touchdown to Beckham. It seemed like he wanted to get Bateman incorporated in way quicker than naturally he could have got incorporated, which made some unforced errors. Yeah, I, I like the natural incorporation in this game. I'd yep. like to see him go to him on extended plays twice, yep. you know, yep. right right away. I mean, that was just beautiful. So. And also not be scared to go him on the first read. I think there's been times where Bateman wins off the line of scrimmage and we miss him because he's not the, the main read. And I think him giving up on that deep route in a, versus L.A. might be a product of that where he's been running hard all season and the one ball he doesn't expect to get, he kind of slows up. And I think... Mm-hmm. If we continue to go to him maybe a little more earlier and often like this game, it keeps him continue to keep him locked in through the rest of the game. Yeah. You need a high motor if you're playing with Lamar Jackson because the, the play might last nine seconds. Yep. So you, you gotta be you gotta keep running your route. And when, when that route's done, you gotta figure out where else you can find space. Yeah. All right, let, let me let me come up with a second guy. We'll talk about I I really liked what Justice Hill did in this game in terms of his, his pass blocking. So I'll just I'll hit on that again. He's good as a runner as well. Made some uh you know decent runs in this game. What did he have? He had six for thirty something, or what do you have? He had five for twenty three, so four point six yards, long of eight. No exceptional runs in this game. Uh, don't believe he caught a ball. Yeah, zero for one in terms of targeting, but he sure as heck earned his spot out there with some great pass blocking. I think we mentioned one of these earlier. Yeah, forget if it was in this show or the earlier show. By the way, go back and download that first show. A lot of great stuff with Frazier um, going all the way through that. A lot of scheme stuff that's that I think you'd find very interesting. So please uh, uh, give that a download. But I thought that that uh, what Hill did as a pass blocker um, really earned his spot, and, and he really showed in this game more than any other game this season um, why the Ravens trust him so much on third down. 
Yeah, and I think going into the season, that's something that we talked about, that he would be that third down back and he would be the person we look to to make those blocks and also be the leak-out option if Lamar needs it. I think um, he did have a good game, and now with the unfortunate loss of Keaton Mitchell, it's going to be crucial. He continues to show that he can be the speed back that we thought he was going to be before all the injuries, just continuing to grow his confidence within the offense yeah um who's your next guy uh my next guy will be ricard i think he had a good game um very impactful game because we did come out in the second half and dominate them on the on the ground and a lot of that has to do with ricard um he's continued to show his value and in a sense that when people were questioning if he should even be on the team based on the scheme, now he's seeming to be even more invaluable than we can expect because we've seemingly put in the same formula from 2019 into these games, getting up early and being able to run the clock down and pound out some good yardage on these teams and making sure that we salvage these wins. I think it's a great point. I mean, it's, it's a lot of Ricard's value is game script based. And so if the Ravens are getting ahead, that's when you really do not want to be without Patrick Ricard and, and his ability to help you close out a football game. Gus Edwards has, has done his job there, even though his yards per carry are way down this year. He's the guy who gets all the unsexy uh, finish this game off for us carries mm-hmm. that often end up being two and a half yards apiece because the other team knows it's coming. And he's done better than that. Um, but still not he's he's hurt his career average significantly with this season in terms of uh of of what's happened it's it's not a function of him failing by any stretch at all it's a it's a function of of where the ravens are using him the other thing they're using him in is a lot of uh he's kind of their designated touchdown scorer mm-hmm. um you know from one yard out well guess what when you when you have when you run from the one yard line your average carry is probably negative yep I know the average offensive play is negative from the one yard line, but the average average carry is almost certainly negative as well. So uh, um, it's 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 a tough spot to run from, but uh, he's got eleven touchdowns to 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 help himself get over it. I think uh, going back to Ricard, he did have one really impressive block on the Gus Edwards run uh, where he had the ball out like a loaf of bread. I think uh, he manhandled. That that three tech. I mean, he just pushed him straight to the ground. He tried to get the opposite side of the leverage, and he just said nope, and just pushed him right down. That, so that, that is was very impressive. Very rare to see, by the way, that a tight end and or tight end slash fullback, even whatever you want to consider Ricard, if you even want to consider him an offensive lineman in some ways, um, can take his man directly to the ground like that. It's even rare for an offensive lineman to do it, a tackle to do it on an inside move that's right at the line of scrimmage where you do sometimes see it happen is where the, um, an edge rusher, you know, takes a chance getting to the outside, then he can get taken to the ground or when there's space created, but between that interior rusher, he can, he can end up getting taken to the ground. This was right at the line of scrimmage and Ricard just took him to the ground right away. It was a very impressive play. Yeah. I mean, just head up. I mean, you're moving another human being that that's, that's ridiculous by Ricard. All right, so you brought up Ricard. I'll bring up Likely. And I thought this was just the game for Isaiah Likely. It's, it's the, it could be thought of as the breakout game from his career. And what mm-hmm. he's done these, these last three weeks, 
the first game he had a bunch of yards after the catch. He had 40, let's see, he had 40, 40 receiving yards and 44 yak in that first game. Okay. So it, it, that's great. You know, it's it's good to show that you can make moves after the catch. But this game was all about trust at the catch point, about trusting him on some extended plays, about him making an extended um, uh, space for himself on an extended play one time, uh, about him being exactly in the right spot to look back for that touchdown on the seam route on mm-hmm. the, on the, towards the right side. It's just a this is a fantastic game. If Lamar doesn't come out of this game just having a complete feeling that I need to look for Isaiah Likely on this third down and seven. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what changes um, are, are going to help uh, because they, they may be, you know, just in a, in a, in a tough spot without Andrews, if, if that's the case, but likely has completely filled the Andrews role these last three, three weeks with, I think I've said it already on the previous show, but 19 targets and 193 yards. So 10.2 yards per target uh, over this three week period. Yeah, and I think uh, he gained ten extra points with that that jump ball. I think yeah. that that's the kind of play a quarterback remembers every single time he steps on the field. I mean, it's I don't know. We've seen Andrews make that play for him a hundred times. I think likely making that play is just it's perfect for the situation we have right now. Now, I, I, the, the whole trust points thing is, is obviously a, a, an artificial currency that doesn't really exist. It's, a, it's a, us notionally talking about it. But I did hear about a youth soccer coach doing this. He was, he's basically a bunch of eight-year-olds to 10-year-olds are basically playing soccer. They're just getting their first experience with team sports and whatnot. And he's an English guy. And he basically was telling everybody that they, they earned, yeah, that's five Scooby-Doo bonus points for you. And that's two <laughs> Scooby-Doo. And, and that's all the kids would talk about after the after they'd had practice. Well, I got two on that play. And you got five on that play. You know, he's like, it's just, this currency is working. <laughs> if they, oh my God. <laughs> all right. Whose turn is it? Uh, we just talked about, about um, Likely. Right. So it's your turn. Uh, I'll go with Beckham. Um not an exciting game for Beckham at all. I think uh, he did have one really clutch catch by Lamar where Lamar got blasted in the pocket and he just sat there and he delivered it like a playoff quarterback would. And he came up with the catch that was really good. Um, he missed the great throw by Lamar to improv, kind of a jump throw. And I think that was like the third quarter. Either way. He dropped it, and that would have been a good good play, but I think we ended up scoring on the drive anyway. So Beckham didn't really have a great game. He did come up limping on that fade route that Lamar threw to him. Um, they, cut, they cut it away to him on one of the defensive drives, and he looked to be have he looked to have some kind of massage gun at mm-hmm. his ankle. So I'm not really sure what that's about. We know he's usually going to have some kind of nick or bruise here somewhere. So I think he didn't have a really good game going in today, but just him not seeing him frustrated is a good sign. Yeah, it's um, uh, obviously 14 yards is not what you want out of your $18 million receiver or your $15 million <laughs> receiver, but, but he had um, only 38 snaps played in the game. Uh, he may have been dealing with an injury, as as you mentioned, with the with any kind of muscle rubbing going on. There could be cramps, uh, could be mm-hmm. just some dehydration involved. But uh, in in truth, um, if you don't expect 
um, musculoskeletal problems from a player his age, you're just not being honest with yourself. Yep. You're, 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 you're going to fool yourself and you're going to, you're going to spend money on players. You, you shouldn't. And so I think the Ravens have to, have to be, um, you know, realistic about what they get from Beckham down the stretch. It would be great if Beckham could provide some significant playoff mojo for them. I mean, they, if they, if you look around at who they've got, who might be able to do that, maybe Zay Flowers can be a little better than he's been particularly mm-hmm. recently. Maybe Isaiah likely can play at the same level. I don't think he could possibly be better than he's been these last three weeks. Um, at least I don't see it. Um, but then I look at the running back position. I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Yeah, I you know, know. At, at, uh, at running back. And so Beckham would be an offensive force that could really pay some dividends in this postseason. As long as we're talking about other players here, Charlie Kolar is probably another guy that they could increase the utilization of. Nice catch in this game. Mm-hmm. A bunch of really good blocking, which had not been true the entire season, but he's but he's done some good blocking now. And so I think hopefully we'll see him more. Um, he's a good closeout player, and I think that he's also a player, if you're going to be running YY sets, if you're going to be running um, two inline tight ends, or if you're just going to be using more 12 personnel and even 13 because you want blocking to help your, help your tackles, um, then you've got to try and find a way to use Kolar more as a receiver. In that set, you might use him in the backfield. You might use him, you know, as a move guy. Um, but but you you've got to try and figure out how you can get him back integrated into the offense. They figured out with likely almost immediately. So yeah, that's great. But but try and get Kolar back in the offense. It would be really nice. He's had two catches this whole year so far. Yeah, and the the catch he did have in this game, he made a nice little move on uh, Josh Allen to get open on the fire zone, and Lamar made a great read just to hit him real quick on a hot. But I don't know what else we could do for Kohler. I think uh, when we look at likely, he can run after the catch. So hitting him on screens is the natural thing to do. But with Kohler, I think he's such a a big body. It's kind of like fitting him into that quote-unquote Andrews role and making him that that middle threat. In yeah. a I, I agree. I mean, he's a seam runner. You, mm-hmm. you want to try and get him behind the linebacker. You want to try and get him in front of a safety. Um, he's, he's also a catch point guy. That's who he was at Iowa state in terms of being a guy who would, who would box out a defender mm-hmm. around him. He was good at catching the ball away from his bodies. We just haven't seen the, the, the consistency in terms of catching at the NFL level so far. I, I think some of that is a function of just not having a lot of playing time at all. Yep. So he's, you know, whenever he goes into a game, he's cold, uh, pressure has got to be enormous on him to try and catch the football when it yep. comes to him. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's definitely. I can definitely understand the pressure part because I know he's. It's it's tough when a player tries to just step in and play the role. I mean, we see when Isaiah likely he's had his untimely drops when Mark Andrews is the starter in the game and he's coming off the bench, and we've seen what likely can do when he's the starter. He's performing to Andrews' level, not at his real level, but we know that those are big shoes to fill. But I think, like you said, just getting him in those high point situations, continuing to utilize him in the red zone like we did this week. I think those can serve well for his confidence going forward. Okay. Uh, I am tapped out on individual skill position players. I want to talk about, we talked about the whole offensive line. We talked about Lamar. Is there anybody else you want to hit on before we move on to the mailbag? I think I'm good. Okay. Um, we got one question. It's a little bit of a defense question, but we we can we can handle it, right? <laughs> um, Angel at Angelove eighty five says it seems to me that one of the weaknesses of the defense is inconsistency. This question came in yesterday. I think 
there was another question today from him or her that I want to try and get. And I just want to make sure I've still got it here somewhere because I think we answered that one yesterday. Oh, I am sorry about this, but I think we've lost your question. Um, so Angelo 85, please ask it again. Um, but I believe we've answered this question already about the, the, um, the choice the defense is making basically to um, stop the pass and not stop the run as much. So I'll, I'll read this question again. It seems seems to me that one of the weaknesses of the defense is the inconsistency stopping the run. Do you believe it's scheme like Dallas, who is built to stop the pass, or fatigue? A game like Buffalo from yesterday um, can kill the defense. Uh, and hashtag film study mailbag. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I already did this question. But I, I, I will say, I think it's completely a matter of choice for the Ravens defense. I think they are they've decided – they're going to continue start continue with the, the two deep shell to start that is going to be rotatable, that they're going to play matchup zone. They're going to do whatever the hell they want coming out of that to confuse you in the passing game. And if you look at what they've given up versus the run, I think they've more than earned that back in terms of how they've held down opposing passing games. And I think the biggest key to them having the choice and having the confidence in the two deep and letting them run the ball is you have to have confidence in your offense to score to make those kind of decisions. And it seems like our we're playing complementary football defensively and offensively. So whenever you have those two things working for you, obviously in the LA game, it got out of hand quick in the sense of going back and forth, trying to score in the first drive. We saw that they, they drove down the field very effectively on the run, but as the game progressed, they shied away because you can't do that in a shootout. So I think the Ravens, understand their game plan is to get the lead and hold the lead and you don't really need to worry about the run in that situation yeah really good point is that you you can you can take a few more chances when you know you're you're not going to be completely handicuffed uh, cuffed in terms of scoring points and the ravens it's not only that they've scored points they scored points they've led the entire season pretty much mm-hmm. you know they've, they've 90 percent plus of the season they've led it's one of the highest totals in nfl history uh, at least since they since the merger, when I believe they have good information from, but uh, the only two comparative teams is the seventy two Dolphins and the 07 Patriots. So a couple of undefeated teams they're they're in the same league with, and and it it does kind of go hand in hand that you lead most of the game and you end up winning most of those games. Yep, I mean we should have we should technically be undefeated, but that's a whole there different combo for a different story. But <laughs> all right. So, uh, Frazier, always really appreciate talking football with you. Oh, we have one thing to do left, and that is name our three MVPs from this game. Uh, so I have uh, my three ready to go. Do you have uh, three uh, for a 3-2-1 countdown? Yep, I have 3-2-1. Who's your, who's your number three guy? Number three is Keaton Mitchell. Uh, unfortunately, he went down with the injury this game, but he just provides a spark that we cannot replace. And this game was another sign of that he had a lot of patience showing that he can hit the hole effectively and wait for the blocks to develop uh it was encouraging to see him do that this game and it's disappointing to see that we won't be enjoying that moving forward this season yeah obviously a very frustrating one harbaugh rarely gets um emotive about injuries Uh, it looked like on the sideline the weight of the mitchell injury was really hitting him yeah Uh, now he wasn't he wasn't cursing. He didn't have his head down. He wasn't shaking his head. 
because he tries not to do that. He clearly is, is trying to be very careful about that. Um, but it is it, it, clearly losing a player like this is a very big deal. And, uh, uh, you know, he's a priority free agent. They went out and got they exactly met their needs in terms of, of uh, who he is and, and what he brings to the game. Family connection. And, you know, you, you just have to wonder, will he ever be the same again? And I don't know if I've, I've said it on the show, but it, he's it's the the only comparable rookie injury I can recall is Lardarius Webb going down in 2009. Um, he went down at the end of that year. It was frustrating as hell because the rate that it was a great Ravens team, by the way, despite the fact they were nine and seven, they were the best for my money of the first five hardball years. And they, they could have easily made a deep run in the playoffs. They did go in and kick the crap out of new England in, in their ballpark. Um, and then, uh, lost to the Colts 20 to three, but Lardarius Webb was a hell of a, hell of a football player that year. Um, missed basically the whole next year and then came back was the best corner in the entire league yep. in 2011. So, um, just frustrating as hell to have a young player like that hurt. Yeah. I'd, it's going to be, hurt. it's going to be tough to replace. I think it's going to be disappointing when we see Melvin Gordon touching the ball. Yeah. <laughs> up, it's, it's, it's too disappointing. So my number three guy is Tyler Linderbaum for me. Um, uh, he played the best of the offensive linemen. Uh, I have two skill position players ahead of him, but uh, uh, you're thinking about what kind of year he's had. It's really him and Seitler who have been the stars on the offensive line. And, um, you know, one of them should probably be in your thinking in terms of uh, the MVP votes, the possibility of making the pro bowl and whatnot. Um, as much as this offensive line's had a lot of problems at tackle and a lot of penalty issues at left guard. They are still one of the better offensive lines in the National Football League, largely because of continuity. And mm-hmm. Linderbaum's been a big part of that. Uh, he's he's played extremely well since he's come back from his injury in particular. Yeah, I'm loving Linderbaum this year. Uh, the size doesn't seem to be hindering him like he did his rookie year. I think he's continuing to show progression in that in that area. Um, only one hiccup on snaps all year, which is great. I think maybe the handful out of the frame, but Lamar's athletic enough to grab that down. But it's it's just what the doctor ordered from 2020 and 2021. I think uh, Linderbaum has continued to be a cornerstone player for this offense, and he will be for the next decade if if we continue to sign him. All right, who's your number two guy? My number two guy is Isaiah Likely. Um, another impactful game, another great game by Likely, uh, showing that he can step up when our top guy is not available and none of the receivers are making too many plays. He was our top guy as a pass catcher all day. Um, like you mentioned, getting open on that touchdown was great. Uh, the improv play to Likely by Lamar in the first quarter, that was amazing. And then obviously the the leaping catch over the defender who in all reality should have intercepted that ball. Yeah. But likely going up strong and being able to grab that and giving Lamar that trust was big time for me. Yeah. Love, love seeing that from a young receiver. We saw, we've seen it from Bateman earlier this season, likely just right place, right time all night in terms of, of what he did. And that included, as you said, making some space on an extended play as well. So he's also my number two guy. Who's your number one guy. Let's guess here. One. <laughs> let's go. One, two, three. Lamar Jackson. Yep. There you go. I think uh, it's inevitable at this point. He's the MVP of the team, and most likely going to be MVP of the league coming up after Monday night. I think uh, he 
is the glue to the team. He keeps the engine going. And like we mentioned in the last podcast, keeping him healthy and safe until January is the goal. That's it. Absolutely. They, they got it exactly right in that Willy Wonka ripoff that he's the golden ticket for the Baltimore Ravens. Without him, they're, they're not going to be competitive at all. Or nothing. Um, yeah, the defense can't win games on their own as good as they played, as yep. well as they played. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Lamar Jackson who who brings the sizzle to this team and makes he makes all eleven players on offense better. And I think you can make the argument based on you know the, the the more they've been winning snap count as the season has gone on, that he really is making all twenty two players better, uh, keeping players rested on defense. Um, and that was certainly a, that was a big deal in two thousand nineteen with that eighty percent serious success rate they had was they just nobody could figure out how to get the Ravens off the field. Um, and and that was a um, huge advantage for the defense, always playing fresh, always jumping around, even though the defense, it was held together with duct tape in terms yep. of who they had on that um, on that field a lot of the time. Yeah, I think we got really spoiled by that 2019 season. I think the amount of success we had is just, we can't match that. It's really tough. How many times did you hear after that season, he's only going to get better? It's just, it's just I, it, that may, you know, there are things Lamar Jackson does better from a judgment perspective, but the notion that he would ever have as good a season as one of the greatest seasons in NFL history, I'm not saying it was impossible because you, you never know what you've got exactly in terms of a young player, but I'm just saying it's very unlikely when you start with a, with a, with a season like that. I think the main thing, if, if Lamar has a wall in front of him, I think he can have another MVP season regardless who his uh who his supporting cast is. And that was evident in 2019. He had a dominant offensive line and he took them where they needed to go. I think next season it has to be a priority. We've saying that for 3 years now ever since 19. I think this season we have to be serious. We've invested in Lamar and if you give this guy time, he can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. So here's here's the question, and here's the the ace of spades. If you want to try and replace Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, if you want to get your next generational left tackle, what if you had to tag and trade Matabike to do it? That's a very, very, a very big ask. <laughs> so, so but, that, but that's the kind of thing it is. That's the sort of barrier the Baltimore Ravens have to replacing Ronnie Stanley. That's how hard it is because whoever they get otherwise is going to be a two-year solution if they get him in the second round and get an Osemele-type prospect, say. Mm-hmm. That's, wow. That's a very tough scenario you post to me because, I mean, Matt BK is almost a must-sign after the season he's having. So it's almost pick your poison at that point. I think maybe, well, you can't, I would say maybe tag Queen and potentially uh-huh. <laughs> potentially flip him but no no nobody's going to trade for queen i mean you're 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 lucky if queen maximizes his full value the way he's played down the stretch here mm. and you get the third round comp pick out of it yeah i think the Ravens actually very lucky they might only get, end up getting a fourth out of it probably they get a third but they might only get a fourth um and then you know geno stone has not played as well since he got his sixth interception he's pretty much accumulated a bunch of missed tackles mm-hmm so that's been unfortunate. I mean, the Ravens' defense in general has been quite good, and Stone being on the back end patrolling that has been a, a, a part of it. I don't want to minimize what he's done for the Ravens, but he's he's missed a lot of tackles in um, in, in this season as a whole, 
and hasn't had the offsetting contributions of interceptions since uh, since his last one. Yep, very true. All right, Frazier, always incredible fun talking football with you. Uh, Want to get you back on the show again as, as soon as possible. I believe you may have one more show still coming up this season. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure if I have an offensive-defensive show, but obviously the matchups every week. All right. Well, that's great. We'll look forward on, on that. Tell folks otherwise where they can talk football with you. You guys can reach me at Twitter slash X at F underscore R-A-V-E-8. That's F underscore Rave 8. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short, hit me up. DM's always open on Twitter. You guys know the drill by now, and I'm getting a lot of good ideas for this. Um, Please uh, give various levels of content a try uh, if we're asking the most loyal listeners of all how how they can support the show. Um, we're not asking for money. I, I, I don't do that in terms of, uh, of uh, uh, going out there. That may have to change in the future. But um, I would ask that you teach somebody who maybe isn't familiar with how to use podcasts, how to directly access from the filmstudybaltimore.com website the ability to listen to a, to a pod. A lot, of, a lot of people will do that, but they won't you know, go listen to a podcast on, on a, um, on a podcast app. Cause they just don't use that on their phone. And being an older guy myself, I understand that weakness. Frazier. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.